Welcome to What's Working in Washington. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Today, from the front lines, the trouble with health care. I think the single biggest problem is the payment system and the transparency between the practitioners, the hospitals, the caregivers, and the actual patients or the insurers. There's just not enough transparency and understanding about what price looks like. Healthcare is one of the dominant industries in the D.C. region, perhaps underappreciated, unless, of course, you need healthcare. But more importantly, where do you find it and how does it all fit together? Don Blanchin is the executive director of Whitman Walker, an organization that's on the, well, basically in the direct field here of, of serving and helping people. Don, thanks for joining us. Great to be here today, Jonathan. Well, many of us have heard the name Whitman Walker, but uh, what exactly do you guys do? How do you fit into the healthcare industry here in town? So we're on the front lines as a primary care or a neighborhood health center. Uh, many of us know us uh, for almost 30 plus years uh, of community leadership around the fight against HIV. Um, we were Metropolitan Washington's really first community responder to the AIDS epidemic in the 80s. Uh, in the last 10 years, we've become a neighborhood health center uh, treating people for obviously conditions um, beyond HIV. We now serve about 18,000 patients. We have uh, just under 300 employees. We operate four sites. Uh, and um, it's a real joy, and it absolutely is on the front lines of the Affordable Care Act right now. As you sit here and you look at the situation that we're in right now in healthcare, do you think that Americans really understand how to price healthcare, how to evaluate it, and, and how to evaluate the outcomes for the money that's being spent? So I think the single biggest problem is the payment system and the transparency um, between the practitioners, the hospitals, the caregivers, and the actual patients or the insurers. There's just not enough transparency and understanding about what price looks like. And you've probably seen some of this and not in your own experience, in your family's experience, where somebody can have uh, an episode in an emergency room or can have a diagnostic uh, test done. And the test can be different a week to two weeks later, pricing wise. And it just doesn't make sense to people. And they can't figure out well, why did my child go in for this? My other child went in for the same service 30 days later. And why is the price so different? And so there's kind of a fundamental kind of transparency issue back to people. The second is, is there's very few people paying the full cost of care. And so we tend to look at it still for many of us uh, who are fortunate enough to be employed and have their coverage through their employer. There's a fair amount, obviously, where the employer is potentially contributing and you never really see the true cost of care. So that's a big part of this. Until payment recognizes the notion that you know consumers need to know what exactly goes into that bill that they're getting and how much the insurance and company is going to pay for it versus how much they're going to pay for it. Um, we're going to have these kind of strange dynamics around price and transparency and cross-subsidy. It always seems to me that if you're sick, it doesn't matter what it would cost, assuming you could afford it, give me everything, right? Yeah, yeah. But ultimately, it seems like we're facing a very big societal problem. And based upon the demographics, this is regardless of political viewpoint, I think right now, uh, to say that we may be in a situation where there's just not enough money to provide all health care that people want. So how does how does the healthcare system address that? Well, I think what's going to happen over time, um, and, and this won't this won't happen, obviously, overnight is um, the baby boomers are going to consume an increasingly greater share of health care over time. That's already underway. Um, the number of working adults right, isn't as high a number as it was 30 years ago. And so you're going to have, obviously, the revenue, particularly on the government healthcare program side, you're going to face some real challenges there. And 
what has to happen is is that the care system is going to have to adapt to the fact that there's going to be more home and community-based services, particularly for those baby boomers who want to be in home and who don't want to be in either a hospital or a nursing home. And then on the preventive side, younger people are going to need to get into the insurance pool. And I think that was one of the things that happened with the Affordable Care Act, where there really was um, this underlying assumption that if we could get more younger, healthier, employed individuals into coverage, we would then be able to afford the sicker individuals who are in the same insurance pool. And the reality of that didn't bear out in many places. And so um, for me, at the end of the day, the way this is going to have to work is there's going to be more transparency around payment, how, how services are actually paid for. Individuals have to understand what their obligations are, both from their own behavior and taking care of themselves, but also what their financial obligation is. The third thing is the care system's got to change. And so places like Whitman Walker have to continue to adapt and to lead and to meet patients where they are. For me to continue to ask patients to come in and when they're not feeling well and say, hey, call in for an appointment three, four, five weeks out, that doesn't make sense in this day and age. Um, and many individuals won't do that. They'll go either to an urgent care center or they'll go to the emergency room. We don't want them going to the emergency room because that's, in effect, a really expensive place to do kind of basic care. Those things need to be going on in a community setting, um, obviously at a lower cost point. It also strikes me that this conversation that we're having right now nationally lacks nuance. It's either you got to ration health care through cost or you got to ration or not ration health care at all. But they're not really talking about the reality, which is, as you see every day, it's in the middle. You got to provide health care. Right. So if you're in a world, uh, as we all are, of limited resources, where is entrepreneurship playing in this? So this is a great example, and I and I can draw from the experience that Whitman Walker's had, obviously, in fighting AIDS. You know, if you go back, I'm long enough and old enough to know about what the 80s and early 90s looked like before there were tests or medication. And you look at the advent of antiretrovirals to be able to help people live a really long life now with HIV. I mean, you'll see this in pharmaceuticals. You'll see it in biotech. You'll see it in a bunch of areas where we need to continue to do those things kind of make inroads. And, and I don't see that ever going away. I think that the bigger challenge really comes down to the kind of system we have in place and the payment model we have in place doesn't really match what society wants. And so we can talk all we want about government and politics. At the end of the day, people have to say, what is it that we want to have for a basic healthcare model um, in our community or in society? We are weighted towards high-end technology, towards hospital-based care, towards a lot of intervention-based 